Hello and welcome to the Payoff Podcast with IDS beat reporters Amanda Foster, Matt Seabree, and myself. The Big Ten's women's basketball tournament will begin this week, but we're taking a moment to recap the regular season before things really get going. And we're going to start with talking about the season finale at Maryland. All right, Amanda, what do you have to say? Um, you know, they started out, Indiana was not able to really keep up with Maryland's pace of the play. Um, and we noticed this, that Maryland plays a lot quicker on both ends of the court than Indiana does. And so Indiana only scored 10 points in the first quarter. It was not a very good start. They didn't have any momentum. Maryland had all of the momentum, and it obviously didn't hurt with them also being at home. Um, Indiana was able to come back in some ways, but not enough, and they did lose 67 to 64 and only scored 13 points in the fourth quarter. Um, It was not by any means the worst game that they've had this season. It was not by any means the best game. They've had, um, obviously, they wanted to have a win going into the Big Ten tournament, going into the postseason, because they had lost three out of their last four, and then with that loss, they lost four out of their last five. That's it's a really bad time for a skid at the end of a season. Um, it, it was not a great game, but it wasn't a terrible game, and I think they have a lot to learn from going into the tournament, especially because they might face Maryland again if they get far enough. Um, so I think... They have a lot to work with after that. Yeah, um, definitely, you know, one that they feel like they should have uh, probably had a better shot at winning late. Um, they did have a shot to tie it up, I mean, as time expired, which uh, if you had looked at that game going into the fourth quarter and the, how the course of the game had gone, you wouldn't really expect that. Um, Nicole Cardano hillary struggled throughout the game. Terry Moran acknowledged it afterwards. Uh, Cardano Hillary usually is one of the more consistent players on the team um, went one of ten overall one of six from three pointers uh, only scored three points it was it was a rough day for her and you know she's the point guard of the team kind of sets that uh, tone for the game taking the ball up the court and that kind of plagued her throughout the game and it in turn plagued the team got them in a hole early and yeah, as you said, they weren't able to climb out of it and uh, not very good momentum for the team going into the postseason. Not really. And I think going off that with Nicole Cardano-Hillary, just the way she plays, she has so much energy. And she didn't even get a steal against Maryland. And, like, we've seen it in person. Every, people have seen it on TV. When she gets those steals, when she is the pesky, aggressive person that she is, it it riles up her team. It gets everybody excited. And so when you're missing a player like that, and, and not even just that she's like not shooting, but shooting and missing is, I think, put put a real damper on the mood of everybody. Yeah, it was a um, it was a poor start for them. And yeah, yeah. You know, well, and, as- and Maryland shooting three pointers like they were free throws, especially in the first half. Indiana was able to come back. They both finished with the same amount of three-pointers, which was really weird, was not expecting that. Yeah, you, if um, you had just watched the game through the first, like, two or even three quarters, right. you would have been totally shocked yeah. by that. Um, yeah. Um, was They just kept going, and Indiana didn't have an answer for that, um, which was another reason why Maryland was able to get all the momentum because they had open looks everywhere, and Allie Patberg said that they came into the game knowing how Maryland shot. They were prepared and they still couldn't play to the tendencies. And so I think that's something that obviously you have to work on playing any team. But overall, like if you're prepared, you gotta 
you got to work with that. You have to play with that. Yeah. So. And in that in that first half, they allowed Maryland to go six for eight from deep. Yeah. yeah just, just you can't you're not going to win a game if mm-hmm. you dig yourself a hole like that early. And the team acknowledged that afterwards. Uh, I think it was. Um, it was Allie Patberg. Yeah, she she said just straight up, it's embarrassing, like how they have been starting games. She acknowledged like they they are this is not a young team. This is not a team that uh, you know doesn't know what they're doing going into games. They shouldn't be digging themselves it, that hole. Is yeah. basically what she was saying. And yeah, you know. she's right. She's, she's got a point. You know, yes. she would know. She does know what she's talking about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what I really think, in its own weird way. This Maryland game was a bit of growth from Indiana from earlier this season because if you really, really think about it, that first Maryland game, it had Mackenzie Holmes at full strength. And, I mean, you and you and I were there, Matt. That was a game that came down to the wire. This game was also one that came down to those last few plays, but it was with a Holmes that wasn't quite at her same level. They learned to play without her, and they learned to adapt. So I think it's, a, in a weird way... It does show a bit of growth, but it's still an issue that they weren't able to come back with a win because this was absolutely a game that, despite that growth and partially because of that growth, they could have won at the, in those closing seconds. But no, the cards did just did not just fall the way that Indiana wanted them to. All right, so moving past Maryland, let's just talk about the season as a whole. What went right for Indiana throughout the regular season, Amanda? Um, I think. So I'm not going to go throughout the regular season because things didn't go right at the end of the regular season. But I'll say they had a nine-game win streak through December and part of January until they went on their COVID break. Um, and up until then, they just they had so much energy, momentum. Everyone was producing, everyone who played, so basically the five starters. Um, but everyone was producing. They all had a good rhythm, a good flow. They were confident. They knew what they wanted, and they knew how to get it. And that's that's how they beat Maryland the first time. Um, because I think they had not, they didn't experience any big setbacks. So they, they just kept going, they kept rolling and they had, they had nothing to worry about. And then things went wrong. Um, but they, going back to what went right, because we can talk about what went wrong later. Mackenzie Holmes was producing every single game and she was the key player scoring the points and getting the rebounds and bringing the momentum, I'm not going to say energy because that was more like a Grace Berger and Nicole Cardano Hillary role, but she was always present and she was always there and she was always contributing double figures. And so that, I think, if I had to pick one specific thing that went right through the season when Mackenzie Holmes was playing was her presence on the court. Yeah, it's it's really kind of hard to talk about this team in as a sense of one season when it really is a tale of two seasons here. You've got the pre-COVID break team. And then you have the post-COVID break team. And the post-COVID break team hasn't necessarily been bad. They just haven't been that top 10 in the country level that IU was playing at earlier. And obviously, Mackenzie Holmes' injury has a ton to do with that. You know, she, she uh, as of a week ago, was at 60%. I don't know what she's at now, but it's I'm not at 100%. Not, not much higher. Yeah, it's uh, and she probably, I can't imagine she'll be at 100% at any point this season. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, she did do very good for the team. And just the team, it just looks like they had a good flow, a good rhythm through all that. And even coming back from that COVID break, they still fought. This is a team that has never, like, rolled over and given up. Uh, you see that a lot out of teams when they lose a couple games in a row. This team really didn't. Um, 
So, and that's something that Terry Morin has definitely acknowledged and been proud of. Um, and I think that will help the team moving forwards, but, you know, grit doesn't win games alone. You need talent too. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to, you know, with the Mackenzie Holmes injury, she was hurt before they went into the COVID break. So, you know, they played Purdue in West Lafayette, beat Purdue, played, played Nebraska. Like they played, they knew how, they showed they know how to play without Mackenzie Holmes, which is another strength, another really good thing. Um, and like you said, they don't give up. And the players have said, contrary to, to Terry Morin, that they would play every day if they could. And Terry <laughs> Morin's like, no, we need a break because we played five games in 10 days. Um, but they they want it so badly. And, like, Allie Papert wants it. Grace Berger wants it. Everybody, like, everybody has that grit and that determination. And they all have the talent somewhere. They just need to find it again because they found it in the beginning of the season. They found it last season when they went to the Elite Eight, it's in there. They just got to – it's got to come out – it's got to kind of come out quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, uh, <laughs> to put there's, it quite simply. Yeah, there's not a lot of time left here. Nope. We, I mean, you're going into a single elimination tournament here in the Big Ten tourney. They'll play the winner of the IU. Is the, just to give a quick little <laughs> step back, what's the situation right now? Bracket. Um, IU is the five seed. They'll play Thursday. They'll play the winner of the 12-13 game, which is between Rutgers and Penn State. Um, IU could have got that fourth seed and gotten another bye to the uh, quarterfinals, that would be. But um, that Maryland game decided it. The winner got the four seed and the extra bye. Loser, IU in this case, got the five seed. If IU does win that game on Thursday, they will play Maryland again, um, obviously splitting the regular season series. So uh, that's kind of where things stand right now with the team looking forward. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we kind of just looked over what's going right for the team as they go into this. Uh, And, yeah, they'll need – I mean, they'll need to win some games here Mm -hmm. uh, to get some momentum going into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, well, and the good good thing is with the Big Ten, the way the Big Ten tournament is set up, Indiana beat Penn State 70-40. to they didn't play Rutgers, but Rutgers is second to last in the conference. and has three conference wins. Um, neither of those teams should be too much of a challenge. You know, it's kind of, uh, you never know because Big Ten basketball is ridiculous. But that's not, I think, the main concern. The main concern would be if Indiana wins that and then they go on to play Maryland. However, because, first of all, they're going to play Thursday and then they would play Friday. That's like a 24-hour turnaround. Maryland will not play until Friday. So that's a rest factor, a preparation factor. But Maryland is so fresh in Indiana's head because they've just played each other last week. And so they, I think that will help because they have a lot to go off of if they do have to play each other, that they know what they need to do because it was so, it's such close proximity. But we don't know and we won't know until it happens. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know if we can really make any predictions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but. We'll see. Big Ten tournament, you know, it's always the Big Ten tournament is always exciting. I mean, uh-huh. we're we're entering the most exciting season of college basketball. Uh, literally any team can win any game. We've all seen that. There have been Happy more. March. Yeah, <laughs> there have been more. You know, Cinderella runs than I can name right now. Yeah, anyone can win any of these games. Yeah. It'll be up to Indiana to, you know, um, see if they can hang with these other teams. And uh, if not, then 
they don't. <laughs> yeah, it, it is what it's, it is. Yeah, yeah. there's no bounce point. back after a nope. loss anymore. Nope. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, so we touched on what went right. We'd like to talk a bit about what went wrong this season, Amanda. Yeah, we did. We did touch on that in what went right because you can't not the Mackenzie Holmes injury um, was, I would say, quite detrimental. However, I would more in conjunction with them having to go on the 14-day COVID pause. I think if they hadn't had to stop playing because of COVID, you have more time to adjust without Mackenzie Holmes, especially because they came back and they played Michigan, um, who was in the top 10 when they came back from COVID. And so you have time to prepare without Holmes if you can still practice together. But because you can't practice together when everybody is, you know, they're testing positive for COVID or they have to quarantine or whatever – is I think that really just put a huge dent in any sort of adjustments and preparation to get them to be at a spot where right now going into the postseason, going into like these big games against really talented teams, if you can't play without Mackenzie Holmes, you need to figure out what to do because it's not always going to work the way it did against the team, like against Purdue, they beat without Holmes, you know, so stuff like that. It just, it like you said, it's like two seasons. It's like their momentum and their energy. Not that the team's changed, but like there are clear differences and they haven't quite hit the level that they were at before the COVID break. Yeah, it's just getting in that rhythm of, you know, knowing your teammates' tendencies and knowing the little things that you can never teach. You just you pick up on from playing with someone on a daily basis. You, I mean, if anyone's ever played any sport at any level, you, you understand this. It's... <laughs> You know, once you know someone better and you know how they play, it's easier to play with them. Um, and, yeah, when you have a two-week break at this high of a level, you're just going to lose some of that chemistry relative to the other teams. And that's really hard to build back up really quickly mid-season, especially when, because of all those cancellations, it was an even more condensed schedule where they didn't have any of that practice time to build up that chemistry. So, yeah, I mean, the, you know, we've both talked about it now, the tale of two seasons. Um, and then, you know, in particularly as of late in this losing four out of the last five, uh, not in all of the games, but in a lot of them, they've had really poor starts. And it's just that, you know, getting starting early, starting well, establishing that, uh, you know, whatever tone you want to set for the game. The other teams have been able to do that rather than Indiana, and those other teams have won the games with that. They've, you know, established how they want to play early. Both Iowa games went into the 90s. That's how Iowa wanted those games to be. Oh, yeah. Indiana wanted those games in the 60s. Yeah. Iowa set the tone. They said how they wanted to play, and even when IU in that game at Iowa did get a decent start, it was still the tone that it was still the, you know, the, the speed, the pace of play that Iowa wanted. And it, Indiana just hasn't been able to really control a game from the start. Exactly. Yet. No, you can't you can't win the tip and then let the other team carry the first quarter however they want it to go. And I like the point that you made again about about Iowa because Indiana did have a good start against Iowa, but you're, you're totally right in that it was exactly how Iowa wanted the game to start because Iowa had a good start too. Like, you know, it, um, so you're, you're definitely right that that I think is something, especially going into now where you can't afford to have a slow start. You can't afford to lose that momentum in any way. Like it's one thing if you can keep up with the other team's pace, if you can match what they're doing, but that is also something that Indiana has struggled with because they're just not 
quite prepared, it seems. All right, so let's talk about some like individual players. Who do you think was this team's MVP? Because that's obviously a big question, Amanda. Oh, boy. That is a really big question, Luke. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. I... I'm trying to think because I don't want to. I don't. I don't want everyone to say the same thing. Um, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna go with Nicole Cardenio Hillary. Um, she's not the leading point scorer. She's not the leading rebounder because she's not as tall as the other people on the team. Um, but and I talked about this earlier. The the energy and the obviously she's incredibly talented in what she does, but the way that she controls the the play on the court when she's having, having a good game the way that she makes plays happen doesn't show up on the stat sheet but we saw when she wasn't producing against Maryland that obviously that's not the only reason that Indiana lost but I think that that is such a huge factor in how everybody else feels when they're on the court because usually you would like to think and this is what it looked like especially in the beginning of the season when she was on the court, you knew something was going to happen and she was going to be involved in it, whether it would be a steal or a weird slap of the ball that gave you possession or hit the ball out of bounds or drawing a foul or something like something. She would she would make a play happen and she would turn the tide and the knowledge that she has about the game and about how to defend and how to score, when to take shots, when to pass the ball um, while she's not on the stat sheet at the top, I think is I'm, I'm going to go with her um, for for the reasons I just explained. Um, but that's final answer. Yeah, yeah. Nicole Cardano-Hillary, I mean, she definitely always, you know, as you mentioned, just sets the tone uh, despite not, you know, putting up the numbers. But um, And then she does, and then it's even better. Exactly. You know, so. <laughs> exactly. Um, personally, for Team MVP, I mean, we did mention, you know, before that COVID break, and then uh, obviously before Mackenzie Holmes went down with injury before that COVID break, it, she was the team's best player. She was on yeah. the the Wooden Award watch list. She was, she's was she been put on other watch lists as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was playing not only as Indiana's best player, but one of the best players in the conference. And inherently, when you're one of the best players in the Big Ten, you're one of the best players in the country. Um and she was playing at that level. She was, uh, you know, getting double doubles in points and rebounds, um, and led the team in both po- in all points, rebounds, and blocks per game until she went down with injury and just truly, you know, controlled the game from the post. Once she did go down with injury, I thought Grace Burgers really stepped up. Um, you know, she's always she's always been consistent. You know, you always know what you're going to get with Grace Berger. She's always going to come in, give you 15 points and, you know, few steals, few rebounds, maybe a block and a, um assist or whatever. Um, but, you know, she's really stepped up in her scoring particularly. And I think that's really helped the team stay in a lot of these games because she's kind of the, you know, the player on IU who is – most able to really get hot. Like, when they get it going, they can just go down every possession, get her the ball, and she'll make the shot. You know, uh, other players on this team can go down and hit a couple shots in a row, but not really get that, you know, the classic NBA jam, you know, he's on fire type of thing <laughs> uh, yeah. that Grace Berger can really get. You know, she can get those where she's running down and pulling up a mid-range shot with 23 seconds left on the shot clock. 
and making it three possessions yeah. in a row. And yeah, that that can always really change the course of the game. Oh, 100%. And you can tell you can tell how much she works on that because the efficiency with which she can make those mid-range jumpers, like those are not easy to make and they they go down and it's like, "Oh yeah, she made another one." No, she she made another one is like that that you're you're definitely right about that and we've seen her production recently be a really big factor. Um yeah. So. Um uh, among outside of post players she's shooting the best out of anyone on the team um pretty healthily so and that's no surprise if you watch if you're watching her play you know she makes shots yeah i I mean i'd have to say like early on the season it would have had to be uh, the mvp would have had to be holmes i mean she was just leading everything she was leading scorer she was leading in rebounds but then of course after her injury graceberg who was amazing last season continued that streak this season and really came along those last few weeks. And, like, when Indiana needed a big shot, she was there. Um, when Deanna needed something, she was there. Just, And she didn't, like, restrict herself to just three-pointers on the outside. She went onto the interior. She made those longer twos. Like, I just have to say Grace Berger our way. We've talked about the team MVP. How about most improved? And I think we talked a little bit before the podcast, and I think we're pretty much in agreement on who that is, Amanda. Um, I, th- I think we are. I think we are all in the same mindset that it would have to be Chloe Moore McNeil um, because, and I'll keep it short so everyone else can put their two cents in. She did not take shots in the beginning of the season. She would pass the ball when she came on, which was not very much in the in the beginning games. Um, she would take the ball and then she would pass out to Allie Patberg, pass it to Grace Berger, you know, because they're going to make the shots. They have more experience. She came in, she really didn't have much experience to go off of. But now she's one of the most calm, collected shooters Indiana has. And Terry Morin's talked about that. We've seen it in the games that Moore McNeil's played in. She played against Purdue both times and had phenomenal games. Um, she She's a shooter, and she wasn't in the beginning of the season. And so I don't know how else you can say – who else you can say, too, could be the most improved when you see that kind of growth. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at – who Chloe Moore McNeil was for this team last season. She was just a freshman who came in, you know, as most freshmen do, you know, if there's some time at the end of the game, get some minutes, get some run. And that kind of looked to be her role again at the beginning of this season. But then, yeah, as you mentioned, kind of when the new year ticked over, it really felt like something changed. Just, I mean, just watching her play, she looks way more confident than she did uh at the beginning of the season, it literally everything she does, whether that is shooting, passing, dribbling, defending, anything, she looks just way more confident. And that's shown. She's, I mean, it's shown in her stats as well. It's she's can make these shots. She can hit the timely three-pointers. And then she can also, you know, she's a very long player, and that helps a ton on defense. And Terry Morin's mentioned that. I mean, if you have a young guard, with that much athletic ability who can defend, that is a huge asset for you, um, especially off the bench. Yeah. All right. So wrap this whole thing up. How can this team improve heading into the postseason? Amanda. Okay. So I'm going to – I'll say one thing, and then, Matt, you can – I don't want to, you know, say everything all at once. Um, to To put it really very simply, everybody needs to produce again. We we talked about it earlier that in the beginning of the season in the first half when things were going right, everybody was producing at, at a high level, a mid mid to high level, you know, at the point where you could accept it. And then 
if you have players like Nicole Cardano Hillary who scores three points in the last game of the regular season, that's not you can't have that. You have to figure out what happened and you have to figure out how to keep it from ever happening again. And not to just pinpoint her because it's happened with Ali Papperg, it's happened with Alexa Goulbe, it's happened with Mackenzie Holmes since she's been back, which we give Holmes a little bit more leeway because she, you know, did have a knee procedure and has a lot of rehab and like she she's she's sixty percent. You know, you that that's a little bit more acceptable. But everyone who comes on the court needs to make some sort of impact. And that impact can't be by missing your shots. You know, you have they have to figure out how to work together to get everybody to produce in one way or another. It could be assists, it could be rebounds, it could be scoring. It doesn't have to show up on the stat sheet, but there has you have to do something. And you know, that sounds really basic, that sounds really simple. Um, but it's hard to put into motion, especially against these good Big Ten teams and eventually the good NCAA teams overall. But everybody needs to figure out how to be at the best level that they can be and that, you know, you don't have a lot of time. And it's hard, but at this point, it's what you have to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, going off what you said, this isn't – there's no time to get back on track. You're either back on track or you're not, and your season's over. That's it. That's that's the case of this. And as you said, there's no – I mean, you know, we've kind of been saying throughout this whole podcast, there's no – what we've been dancing around is there's no one single thing this team has struggled with as of late. They're just in a slump. That's it. It's that simple. And they just need to find that rhythm back. And, you know, you've got some time here before the Big Ten tournament starts on, for IU at least, on Thursday. You got to get, you got to find that rhythm back if you're IU or, you know, this is going to be a very quick postseason for you. Mm -hmm. Uh <laughs> So it's, it's, as you said, everyone needs to, you know, kind of get back to that level of playing together as a team and finding the ways to win. This team has always kind of throughout this iteration of the team, even going across the last few seasons, has just found ways to win games late. You know, if you even look at this season, you can look at the Purdue game with the steal late and the insane... There have been so many games this season where IU <laughs> has found ridiculous ways late to stay in games and to win games and to hold on to games. Yeah. And they just For, have 42 points in the fourth quarter. 42, they didn't even win that <laughs> they game. They didn't even know, but, but like still. But that fight, that coming yeah. back is what has it's it's what has made this team successful over the last few years. And they need to find that rhythm and they need to get back to playing at that, you know, top 10 level that yeah. they were playing at earlier this year. Yeah. And the, the key to find that rhythm is you have to decimate Rutgers or, or Penn State. Those That cannot be a close game. No. At you, all. You can't play. Like you, that can, you cannot afford for that to even be within 20 points, in my opinion. Um, maybe 15. Like that I might be a little, <laughs> might be a little harsh, but especially if it's Rutgers. Yeah. Um, I mean, neither of those teams have been top teams at all this season. They've pulled out wins against the bottom half of the conference. A team like Indiana, in whatever shape it's in, should still beat them. Yeah. And that is where you can figure out how everybody can produce and play the best and find some sort of rhythm. Um, but that that has to be a, a blowout game. That can't be a stressful down to the wire, figure out a way to win. You have to know how to win when you get win the tip. Like that. That's it. Particularly in this game, because if you win, you have a game right next day. Yeah. You can't play your starters 40 minutes in this game oh, and no. expect to win against Maryland. Just not an option. And 
we'll see. Yeah. Th that's, I mean, this, this next game here on Thursday will really set the tone for the whole, I mean, as you just mentioned, it'll set the tone for the whole postseason, uh, whether they win by a lot or win by a little or lose. Uh, it'll set the tone. All right. Does anyone have any final thoughts? All right. Looks like we're good. Thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. We will see you next week. Have an exquisite week.